This is the Doctor Who podcast, and you are most welcome. In this episode of the Doctor Who podcast, we'll be looking at our own guilty pleasures. <laughs> And welcome to the Doctor Who podcast. When I am joined in the camper van by the irrepressible, the indomitable, the incomprehensible Leeson. Yes, here I am back after what well, seems like a little bit of a break. It felt like a break. I'm refreshed and ready to go. Indeed, indeed, we are back once again. We are the Renegade Masters. It's like, well, I, I don't want to say that we've been excluded or anything, but we've um, we've been away. But now we're back. Uh, lock up your daughters. We're about to attack. Uh, we're tired. No, it's it's good. This is, it's nice to be here actually. Um, there's been an interesting run of uh, intelligent uh, in- conversation, of uh, useful analysis, and of uh, informed debate. And so clearly, we have to return to redress the balance and just talk rubbish for as long as we possibly can. Absolutely. Surely that's the brief, isn't it? Uh, that's the brief that I've got here. Mm. Definitely. Actually, um, I should ask you, what have you been up to in the meantime? Uh, well, I, I've, been, I've not been up to anything interesting. Mm. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Well, that's that sorted out. Um, what can I tell you? Um, I, I've, I've been to America. I've, I was in um, uh, Tennessee, specifically. I was in Memphis, and inside being in Memphis, I was on Beale Street, which is, uh, as most uh, people will know, uh, Beale Street on Memphis is like um, Carnaby Street in London, or Temple Bar in Dublin, or Socky Hole Street in Edinburgh. It just it's one of those places that people go to uh, to, to be divested of their money. Uh, but I also, but I met uh, an American Doctor Who fan who, ident- who self-identified as a Whovian. Uh, and told me that he had deep love for Tom Baker, which I thought was great. So I was, I was trying to uh, persuade him to watch some Patrick Troughton and some Colin Baker, but uh, I don't know how successful I was at that. But that's been quite fun. Also, since last we spoke, there's been quite some news in uh, in the world of Doctor Who. Have, have you been following the 50th anniversary uh, events and, and news that's been unfolding? Yeah, I'm. I, obviously, it's it's a, it's a first thing in the morning. Coffee, browse the rumours. This this is the, now. This is my morning routine. Uh, are we are we talking adventure in space and time? Yes, definitely. Well, there's a, there's a couple of things actually. Number one, adventure in space and time, but also um, the fact that uh, a spaceship crashed into Russia this week. Um, they, the world is trying to tell us that it's about meteors. It's just about uh, dead rocks. I know, every Doctor Who fan knows, it was a spaceship. The aliens are coming. This is why the Pope has resigned, because he knows the aliens are coming, and the alien spacecraft crashed into Russia. It's a big cover-up. But yeah, Now, I-, I wouldn't be surprised if if the new Pope, uh, Pope Mark II, that they uh, they appoint, uh, is, is a slightly fatter Pope. You know, I'm thinking Slovene. <laughs> yeah, all right, fair enough. Although that said, I still haven't received the call from the Vatican. I'm waiting. We'll see what goes on. <laughs> yeah, you would, you would make a great Pope I'd make a, I mean, I, I might even go Catholic Well, do you know what? There's nothing appropriate to say at this point So, going back to uh, an adventure in space and time What are you thinking about? Do you know, the photos that are showing up, I mean, what, what do you think? 
Well, you know, it's it's funny because I remember someone on a podcast about maybe a year ago when we were talk, talking about hopes and dreams and wishes for uh, uh, for the 50th anniversary. Uh, and I, I forget his name. I think it began with L. Mm. He, he said something about doing a drama about, uh, about about the birth of Doctor Who and how it would be a really good idea. I wish I could. I wish I could remember his name. Very, very. Pr- uh, oh, um, oh, did it, Linda? Yeah, yeah. I'm sure it was Linda. Yeah, Linda, <laughs> Linda. Hmm. Well, no, but and now it's now it's come to come to fruition or coming to fruition. Mm. And uh, and I like the uh, the steady flow of, of information that we're getting. Mm. Uh, it started with all the casting, and they seem to have got the casting, uh, you know, pretty near spot on. Mm. Uh, David Bradley uh, would not have been anything that my my brainium would have picked out of the ether as oh he would be good. But as soon as I saw him, I thought oh. It's, it's excellent casting, and and every day we seem to get little little nuggets of uh, of information. I, I like the way that they're eking it out to us. Only this morning, they were filming on uh, in London, uh, early hours of this morning, uh, recreating the Dalek invasion of Earth. Absolutely, I think Westminster Bridge. There's pictures of uh, mm. uh, of Mr. Gatiss himself uh, holding a clapperboard, and of course the old sixties Dalek. But the thing that excites me the most is that somewhere, because it is being filmed at uh, Television Centre, mm. somewhere in Television Centre is the original TARDIS yes. set, the console, uh, and just the thought of that gives me gives me shivers and tingles. That's good. Oh, and, look, it, and do you know when we see it, it'll be in that wonderful green colour as well. How gorgeous! Mm, mm. Oh, I, I'm. I mean, and I can't wait until we see the first uh, the first pictures of David Bradley in uh, first Doctor costume. Uh, it will be marvelous. I think they've released uh, they've re- released a, cl- a clip of him playing Hartnell, uh, a, a photo of him playing Hartnell, but uh, playing Hartnell as himself, sat on a bench with his wife. I think is. But uh, when we finally start, finally see him in his, his frock coat, it'll be fabulous. I think you're right. I mean, when we think about um, <clears throat> uh, the was it, was it Lauren Hardy that uh, Matt Smith was 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 working with in the, in one of the episodes? I, th- I think it's that. And the, the thing I hear most often is this trouble with Tribbles idea of superimposing old Matt Smith, uh, new Matt Smith into old episodes. Um, although you'd probably have to get the restoration team involved to try to get the, that old footage up to the sort of spec that's necessary. Mm. Uh, for for viewers to accept it without blinking, but then why would it be black and white? I, I think, I mean, yeah, I I, I sort I sort of jokingly said um, when when the when the news that the uh, that the fiftieth anniversary sixty minute special was going to be in three D, uh, I was disappointed because uh, I was hoping it would be in black and white. Oh, see, that would be lovely. That would that that, that would be a nice thing. Um, or, it's also, or maybe even certain, certainly like starting off in, in black and white, you know, it's a little black and white uh, uh, lead in, and then it fading into colour. Just, just a little nod. I'm, I'm less impressed by the by the three D nature of it. Um, well, do you know? I don't, I don't know what Doctor Who fans want. So, like, hang on, it's in three D. You'd have to go to a cinema to see it. You, were th- you and I were both there when we when we saw Asylum of the Daleks, and it was huge. It was perfect. Hmm. It was brilliant. It was fantastic. Um, if anything, the actors, the actors in the auditorium seemed small, seemed little, and disappointing. Um, but the I, I, the idea of going to a cinema to watch Doctor Who and see it in three D it's just absolutely perfect. It's wonderful, and I've, I, I have seen in forums that shall remain nameless that the people are, 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 are complaining about this. But how do you? It's one of those the, the, the idea that you can't please all of the people all of the time. Why don't you? Why are you not happy about the idea of three D Doctor Who? Um, well, it's 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 the 
Yeah, I don't want to be watching it at home on my on my uh, my oh. far su- far superior two D television uh, and have lots and lots of sequences where it's oh my god, look the sonic screwdriver coming out of the screen at me, <laughs> um, you know, and you're thinking it's like watching Jaws three D uh, when it's rerun on television. You think, well, I'm not watching it in three D, so I feel like a, a little bit like I'm missing out on the set pieces here. Uh, as long as it's done nicely, and and some three D films nowadays because they've been doing it again for for a few years now, uh, they have got sort of a a bit better at making it subtle rather than, you know... It's it's something uh, hurtling out of the screen at you. It's, it's just that depth of field that that, that they give, um, and and I, I'm all for that. But it's it's these set pieces that aren't going to transfer to 2D, which which I'm a bit worried about, and it might sort of maroon it as a as a Jaws 3D. I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. I mean, I, I remember going to see Avatar in 3D, and the breathtaking thing was the scale of it, um, and. So, you know, maybe that's what, maybe that's what they're trying to plan for us because when we when we see um, things like Asylum of the Daleks and even parts of uh, season seven A, um, it's the it's the scale and the detail and the uh, the quality of the mo- I won't say model work but but just just the qualities and textures of the images that are so far removed from um, a dusty old studio in nineteen sixty three. I wonder if that's what we'll actually get for uh, for the fiftieth anniversary. Something absolutely huge and massive and ah. Oh, just actually the story being told in the, in, in the, on the scale that it's probably imagined on. Mm, and speaking of scale, are we, are we happy with just 60 minutes? I, I was I sort of hoping for, for something feature length. I, I, I wonder about that. I, I get the feeling, and the, the, someone who is into television will have to help me out with this, because I, I really don't know, because I'm just making it up as I go along. But I wonder if there isn't some sort of time-based... Uh, restriction on how long an episode can be. I know we all wanted ninety minutes, and I wonder if that's what we might get because we we still don't know. We still no. do not know what's going to go on. It might be that um, the season with no name um, might be may still be may, may still be part of it. There might there might be a lead into it at the end of the, of the Clara season. We we just don't know. I mean, and, and I have to be honest. Again, this is not about the forum, but this is about some of the the more um, delusional users of forums um, trying to extrapolate from a man who's very good at keeping secrets what he actually means and what the truth is going to be it's, 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 it's a fool's errand um, Stephen Moffat knows what he's doing he knows what he knows what's going as far as anybody can in television um, he knows what's planned he knows what's written he knows what's you know what, what he wants to have happen but everything is subject to change up until the minute that it's actually captured on the film so the plan as far as we know it there's the, there's one thing called the special but it may be that there's something leading into it there's something there might be there's something leading out of it Matt Smith's contract is it's all it's all about his contract this for the next 12 months so you know it, there might be something huge going on that we just don't know about who knew about Matt Smith when it was time for him to be cast as the doctor nobody who speculated mm. that they knew who the next doctor was going to be everybody in fact I knew it was going to be going to be me right up until the point which they said some skinny guy with a big chin had got it and I'm still gutted I'm still gutted not talking to Stephen <laughs> um, <clears throat> So as much as we love to speculate, and, that's, and let's be clear about this, the fun is the speculation. Nobody knows anything. Every so often, someone, someone who does know will pop up and, and, and say something and kind of ruin the party a bit. <laughs> um, but yeah, but no, no, nobody knows. And uh, uh, although it says 60 minutes, even if it is 60 minutes, it'll be a brilliant 60 minutes. And of course, I mean, the 50th anniversary, it, it, it goes beyond the television. And, and it's already uh, up and running and, and rolling out in all the other mediums. There's, uh, there's re-releases of, uh, of 
classic Doctor Who books, two of which uh, I already have winging their way towards me. Um, and Big Finish uh, are in on the game with uh, with Audio Go, uh, and they've they've already released two uh, of the Destiny of the Doctors series. Hmm. So we've got the first Doctor and the second Doctor. And I don't know whether you've had a chance to to hear them yet. I have um, Hunters of Earth and uh, House of Cards. Have you, have you heard them? Yes, yeah, and, and they're, they're really quite nice. And they have little nods to um, little interactions between future Doctors mm. uh, and, and, and the past Doctors. Uh, presumably building, uh, well, we know that they're building to a, a big crescendo, but they're, ve- they're very nicely done. Uh, wonderful little, wonderful little stories, little and uh, enhanced audio books, as I think um, Big Finish call them. But uh, yeah, and they, they seem to be going really well. And did you notice that uh, Fraser Hines's Second Doctor has has become less caricatured and, and has got better. I, I was I was never quite as enamoured as everyone else with it, uh, but he seems to have he seems to have found a level with it now. It, it's less of a <laughs> Jamie um, sort of caricature and and. You, you you can believe it. Well, uh, it's interesting you say that, Peter. For me, Peter Purvis doing the first Doctor and mm. certainly Fraser Hines doing the second is great. They, they, they've just got it because I think that well, this takes us back to the beginning of the conversation, doesn't it? They're not playing the because they were, they were intimately involved with the actors who created the characters. They're not necessarily playing the first Doctors. They're playing their colleagues, the other actors playing that uh, playing those characters so mm. it, for them I, and I don't know I'm only guessing um, but for them because they have the physical experience of the person creating the part it's easier for them to put themselves into that and to and to project although that, that, that's, that said you know that they are in both cases caricatures but they're very good caricatures um, I, I, I wonder about Louise Jameson's Tom Baker but then again it's going to be hard for any female actor to, to recreate the part of a, of a male actor particularly someone with a voice as, as, as rich and mellifluous as Tom Baker's so that you know that's always going to be difficult. They're, oh, Ice Warriors. What do we think? Ice Warriors on a submarine? Oh, fabulous. Now, uh, um, people have been saying uh, you know, on the on the Series 7A, 7B trailer that there's, there's some creatures that have got, like, uh, round eyes. I'm sure a while back people were, were sort of were saying that they, they were the Ice Warriors. Uh, Carol Skinner is uh, uh, on, on, on the interweb saying that uh, she's that they spent a lot of time getting the voices right. You know, everyone's been walking around sets doing the Ice Warriors. <laughs> so it's it's reassuring to know that they're still going to have the hiss. It, it's funny the things that you that you consider, you know, that that, that cannot be changed. Uh, and and uh, it hadn't occurred to me until she, she mentioned the voice. I went, yeah, yeah, you've you've got to keep the voice. And then you start thinking, well, what else have they got to keep of the original design? Because there's something. Uh, there is something menacing about their, their sort of cumbersome lumbering. I wonder if they keep any aspects of that. Uh, well, there were two types, weren't there? There's the, there's the giant, the giant turtle type ice warriors, mm-hmm. um, and then there's the little commander ones, which are a little bit, more, which are a little more lithe and able to move around a bit more accurately. Yes, but then. Do you know? I, I remember around the time of Waters of Mars, looking at the design of the uh, of, of the of the people who had been infected by the flood, and mm. it was very Ice Warriors. Very yes, the, the, the little bit of the um, that you see beneath the helmet. The, mm. Yeah. Mm. So I mean, I, I'm not. I know some people might disagree and say that the um, the Sontarans have suffered for the sake of being updated, but I don't agree. Um, the um, the elements of of the Sontarans that Robert Holmes described 
uh, uh, translate perfectly. Yes, they are squat because they come from a place with high gravity, and they are angry, and they are. Oh, okay. In the case of Strax, it's a bit, it's a bit, it's a bit comedic. But well, what the hell? Well, you know, it, 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 it works for me. Um, the Ice Warriors, again, will I'm sure they'll be reimagined as giant, uh, as, as giant warriors with some, with some sort of nobility to them as well. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not. Sh- Correct me if I'm wrong, but have we, have we had an enemy, apart from the Silurians perhaps, who have actually been noble recently? I don't think we have, have we? No, mm. no. Yeah, and, it's an, it's, and that's an interesting concept to play with. Um, uh, and and, they, and they, I suppose they were, they were, they were more in the, in, in the classic, uh, classic series. Uh, yeah, that sounds like Klingon nobility, yeah. <laughs> One of the things about the, that I remember distinctly um, about Doctor Who, because you know, it, it took me, it didn't take me that long, but once I got hold of the formula, um, i.e., here, here are the goodies, here are the baddies, here is someone that, here is someone that defects. This is what the Doctor's going to do. This is what the companion's going to do. Um, once you get the formula, it was interesting to see, as I say, a certain an element of nobility creeping into the uh, the behaviour of, um, uh, of, of of certain enemies. So yes, yeah, so on with the meat and potatoes of, of, of this episode. We, we said it was about guilty pleasures at the beginning, uh, and now halfway in, we're going to get onto the main subject. Uh, now, I suppose when I was when I was a kid, uh, I was the only Doctor Who fan I knew. There, there, there was there was nobody else to share my love with. So it has all the entire show has always been a guilty pleasure to me, and in some respects, it it still is. There are still people that I won't. I won't. Uh, I won't proffer voluntarily that I am a Doctor Who fan. Um, you know, if they tease it out of me uh, with alcohol, then maybe maybe it will come out. Uh, and you know, I have a Doctor Who bag which which I wear selectively. Uh, but so in a way, we we could talk about anything here, uh, as far as I am concerned. But um, there are episodes and there are serials and there are Doctors and there there are eras which are are less favoured by fandom, which you know which I I hold close to my heart. Uh, do do you have any of those, Tom? Um, I do a couple. To, to be honest, it's not so. I, I I like your approach. I like your framing mechanism because that's. That that was always what I found with Doctor Who until its return in two thousand and five. Um, I was very much this is this is like a little private thing that I'm very into mm. and it's something I go I go to for for comfort or for escapism. Um, but since it returned in two thousand and five, I'm pl- I'm pleased and proud and happy to say that there's a whole new generation of people who are equally uh, turned on by this show for some for the same reasons, some 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 for definite for different reasons. And as I said at the beginning, I was in Memphis. <coughs> Uh, and the young and the young man who was helping me out with the uh, with the things I was buying said, "Oh, I'm a Doctor. Oh, England. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a Doctor Who fan." I was like, "This is fantastic. You know, this is." The, uh, but we would otherwise have nothing else in common. Um, but yeah, this it, it, it's a wonderful thing. I mean, for me, I like rediscovering stories that I've seen so little that they become new. Um, Although that said, there are um, if you think about if if you think in terms of well thumbed books, there is there there are one or two stories or one or two specific episodes um, that I will just go back to because I know I know them so well. And, and as soon as the, the theme starts, there are old friends showing up. Um, thinking of things like te- uh, like Pyramids of Mars episode one, Pyramids of Mars mm. episode four, um, Earthshock episode one, Earthshock ep- Earthshock episode four. Um, maybe we should mm. do a show about that. Our, fir- our favorite first episodes, the favorite last episode. Yeah. Um, uh, also, also um, the, the the opening half hour of Rose, love that, absolutely love that. Uh, also, the the closing ten minutes of uh, the passing of the wise, but also the closing ten minutes of Bad Wolf, where the Doctor just becomes hard man badass. Mm. <laughs> that that's 
when he starts taking names and kicking off that's what we really like um, so yeah the, 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 there are moments in the show that I truly love um, I love the whole thing but there, the, there are moments um, another guilty pleasure that I have is to sit at this desk when I'm working and very tired um, in my long Tom Baker scarf to do the work because it, it sort of, it, it's so big and voluminous it actually holds my head up so <laughs> I, I can relax my neck a little bit and, and carry on working but, but I guess the idea is to pick a specific, a specific story to to to, to hold up as, as as the number one guilty pleasure, I suppose. Mm. But all right, then. So I'll let you I'll let you start with. Listen, what's your number one guilty pleasure story? Well, I'm torn between two. I mean, uh, listeners oh. to the podcast will will know which doctor I'm going to pick. Uh, um, it's it's Colin Baker. Uh, he is my guilty guilty doctor. <laughs> um, and I was torn between uh, Revelation of the Daleks uh, and and Mind Warp, uh, and. <laughs> Of those two, I, th- I think I think Mind Warp is is criminally overlooked uh, as as a, as a story, and, and I think it's because it's tainted by by the Trial of the Time Lord uh, uh, curse. I should now like to present the Doctor's next frightening adventure. In fact, the one in which he was engaged when removed from time and brought to this court. Well, even a nervous Time Lord must appear to act with confidence at all times. At the risk of his companion's life. No, 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 I won't believe it. Still continue to ignore the truth. A toady, a coward, a turncoat. Oh, it's strange. Ever since we came to Thor's Beta, I've been homesick. Well, not so much for a, a place, but a time. I want to be back in my own time with people I love. It's Dorf, and you must come. No, actually, I am known as the Doctor. We will help in any way we can. The Rock was proud of his upgrading, happy to be in service to the Mentor. We have the means to instill that cooperation. There's the technology to alter how brains think. Would you like to try the hand bit on the Ah, Not just now, thanks. But I insist, Doctor. I see my own interests. I place myself first. But what about me? You are expendable. You have no value. Wrong, wrong. Savaluna. Because all of those stories uh, are, are less because they were they were lumped together and tried to tried to be linked together uh, as, as part of part of this season. But if if you take uh, Mind Warp out uh, and, and watch it singly and, and ignore any kind of linking and and when you really look at it, there isn't any. And um, oh, so Philip Martin himself uh, is on record as, as saying when he was writing it, you know, there was so much confusion uh, in in the production office uh, that. The writers weren't really told where their stories fitted in, um, or, or even what points they were supposed to include. So he just basically got on and, and wrote his story, uh, and then had to sort of retroactively fit, fit in uh, you know, a couple of bits. But he didn't know the motivation for why the Doctor went a bit wonky. So, and I think as a child when I watched this, I don't think I was aware of of, of the overarching trial thing. Uh, <laughs> it's yeah, you know, because. Because it doesn't really overarc, it doesn't really work. So, as a kid, kids are quite clever, mm. I think. I mean, they're cleverer than me. Uh, and, and, and you can sort of filter out the stuff that, that doesn't work, that, that doesn't matter. Uh, Mindwall has so much going for it. It has the return of Syl, uh, which is uh, still one of the best performances, one of the best Doctor Who must. I'd like to see Syl return for the 50th. It'd be fabulous. Um, it's, it's dark. 
it, uh, and something which you don't see in this era of Doctor Who as often as you as you should have done. Uh, uh, the, the scenery uh, and the lighting is fabulous. Wonderful performances from Brian Blessed and Perry. Well, yes. Oh, and, and and here's the thing. So my problem with this as a child was why it, it didn't make any sense. Why is he shouting so much? What's the problem with him putting um, the, the brain, um, Kiv's brain in someone else? Okay, so the problem is that they're going to use Perry, but this is already they've, they've already done this with um, uh, with, with Brain of Morbius. The idea of taking one consciousness from one place and putting it in another is nothing new. Why, the, why do the Time Lords care? Um, you're right. If we, but, but this is the standard complaint with Doctor Who. The more you pull at the threads of the threads of it, the more it falls to pieces. Uh, but you're right. The performances themselves are great. Um, that, that strange dog creature that follows Carlos around is great. Um, mm-hmm. Although I don't entirely, entirely understand why he's a dog creature. But again, maybe I'll, what I'll do is I'll just get it out later on today and watch it. Um, but yeah, it, it's there's there's lots to like about it. Is probably the safest thing to say. There's lots to like about this particular show. I think. I think that there's, there's, there, there. Everyone will have every Doctor Who fan who who grew up uh, watching the classic series will have that sort of sweet spot of, of, of their, their childhood, mm. where where they were really, really becoming aware um, uh, of watching Doctor Who, uh, but but their brains weren't yet developed enough to you know to, to spot inconsistencies in in plot uh, and. And I, and I can I can sort of pinpoint this this sort of era because um, there are two. It's Revelation of the Daleks and uh, and Mind Warp. Where when I watch them, they take me straight back to my I would have been about seven years old, I think, uh, at that time. Um, and it's it's certain sounds, it's certain colours, uh, uh, and in in this particular story, it's uh, it's the TARDIS arriving with the, you know the purple sky uh, and uh, you know, landing as the waves are lapping up the TARDIS, so it lands in an odd place. And and Sill himself. But there's so much of the of the set design, of the sound design, that that just whips me straight back to being a child again. And I think that's that's how that's why now uh, I'm I'm more <laughs> I'm more happy to, to overlook, you know, the inconsistencies in plots and, and uh, you know, and, and the fact that a lot of it doesn't make sense is because it's my little time capsule. It's my wormhole back to my childhood. And, and maybe that's maybe that's something we should we should examine in terms of guilty pleasures. For, you know, for this for exactly the same uh, motivation and for the same reasons, I love the opening seat, the, the opening shots of season eighteen. And there, there are moments where, mm. as as you rightly say, where I'm coming, where I'm becoming conscious, <laughs> if, if you like. Um, but that, mm. but that whole that whole process takes part, takes place in season eighteen. And I think that, that this is one of the reasons why I, I hold um, Destiny of the Daleks over Genesis of the Daleks because it's one of the first shows that I remember, and it's something it, it's it's fully formed in my head as being a as, as, as a narrative beginning, middle, and end, and it and it lives as part of a, an expanding consciousness and awareness of what's going on around me in, in, in the world, in my house, uh, in my in my street, in the world. So it, so yes, and it's 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 a brilliant framing mechanism. It's the, it's the consistency with around which everything else is built. Um, apologies to my parents, school friends, um, <laughs> and those. <laughs> took a, a real interest in my development as, as a young adult but yeah for, for, for those reasons you know for, for those cultural reasons it was something to look, it, it's something to look forward to and it forms the focus um, of your of your pleasure as a child I guess you know some people like playing with Lego others like watching Doctor Who and here we are Mm, I think because I came to I came to the sixth Doctor uh, at this at this time. I mean, and I had been watching um, Doctor Who for for many years before uh, with my mother. I think it, I think 
my my mother had it on, therefore I watched it. Mm. Uh, so I have lots of lots of sort of fragmented memories of um, of the Davison era, uh, and they are literally, uh, I mean, literally just colours and sounds and uh, and cliffhangers. Mm. Um, and often they'll come back to me when I watch them. But the it, it was the Colin Baker era that I first started to be able to sort of understand what was going on and be able to follow um, you know the, the basics of the plot. You know, uh, be, being aware of what they're running away from, uh, where they're running to. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Just, just, just the basics, uh, and and it's for that reason that I think Colin Baker was was my doctor. I, I had a, the great pleasure of, of meeting the man. I doorstepped him outside a local theatre. Oh. Uh, had a very lovely conversation, and, but it was the first time I'd said it out loud. You know, in a typical sort of nervous fan way, I was rummaging in my bag trying to find things for him to sign, oh. uh, and I just nervously said, you, you, "You, you were my doctor," and it was the first time I'd said it out loud. And I was thinking to myself, "Am I just saying that because he's there?" Oh. I thought no, I'm not. I'm not because because he was, and I think that's why I have such a soft spot, um, you know, for him and and his portrayal. I I stand by his portrayal as the Doctor. I, I think I think it's uh, I think it was wonderful. I think it was brave. It's a cliche ridden statement to say, but you know, given more time, I I, I think uh, I think he could have been one of the one of the one of the better Doctors. Actually, to be honest, this actually feeds into one of my guilty pleasures because as as I've been listening to you, I've been thinking. Um, I mm. don't think we should restrict this to being about the TV show. Um, if that's the case, then yeah, great. I'm going to pull out the visitation. That's great. I love, I love, it's, 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 mm-hmm. it's something I remember watching the first time around, loving it. Um, and again, if I'm feeling that, 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 that frame of mind, I'll go and get some fish and chips and Robina and bang on the visitation. Um, <laughs> it's, 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 it's a great show. But I'm thinking, I, I know actually that the thing I, I look forward to in a month is the release of New Big Finish. And, mm. it's not, and it's not really, I won't say it's a guilty pleasure, because no, well, no pleasure should be guilty at all. I mean, that's just a, a, very, a very repressed way of approach, approaching things. But um, I, increasingly, over the last few, over the last, certainly over the last year and a half, um, I found myself going obsessively to the Big Finish site, wait, willing new material to be available. Because this is the way to, to experience new classic Doctor Who stories. Um, mm. some, of them are, some of them are absolutely beyond question fantastic unbelievably mm. good I mean but there, 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 there again it's, it's, it's the place where you are actually getting properly involved in the story because you're being asked to construct the visuals um, mm. there are occasions actually where in, in fact there was um, there's in uh, Hunters of Earth the new first Doctor um, uh, audio for, for Destiny of the Doctors there's a, there's, a, there's a moment where someone holds a knife to the first Doctor's throat and mm. Immediately, the image that came to mind was that image in the Sav- from the Savages, where there is someone holding a knife to the first Doctor's throat. Um, and mm-hmm. to be honest, this, maybe this goes back to, the, to our discussion about the 50th anniversary as well. Um, because you are constructing the pictures, you can choose what you see. And there's no ex- and yes, of course, the, yes, of course, the writers and the actors are helping you. But from that point of view, the pictures are the best they're ever going to be because there's, 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 there's no oh here's a dodgy prop. You can see the whole lot. It's it's it's, it's perfect. So. <clears throat> I think rather than than saying, uh, rather than for me, rather than picking a story um, or or an episode, which is, which is a guilty pleasure that I return to again and again for comfort, um, I would say the, guilt, the the pleasure that I have, the excitement that I have, which is only really equalled uh, or even surpassed by the by the coming of new televisual Doctor Who, is the release of New Big Finish, because these are Doctors that I'm familiar with. In some cases, I'm learning about them. I mean, all, all I know about the Eighth Doctor, I learned from Big Finish. As you're talking about Colin Baker, um, the development of his character and his arc 
um, again, we learn from Big Finish, uh, my favourite companions, and this this might be problematic for some people, it's not problematic for me, my favourite companion, hold, holding some things back, is, is clearly Sheridan Smith as Lucy Miller. She's fantastic, mm-hmm. unbelievably good. Um, the greatest companion that never made it to screen. She, she's great, absolutely fantastic. My favourite televisual companion... Um, uh, Mary Tam, the first, uh, the first, the first Romana. The only way we get any more first Romana is through Big Finish now. Um, and she, you know, she's always been my favourite companion, and it's so sad that she passed away last year. But how amazing that we get to hear new uh, Romana episodes. This is just it's, it's beyond question. Um, the thing I look forward to now, as I say, television Doctor Who is great. It's fantastic. It's beautiful. I'd, I'd love to be involved in it somewhere. But if I'm honest, the thing that I enjoy most about Doctor Who at the moment is Big Finish, because they're my doctors doing new stuff. You know? Guilty pleasures. Well, we're going to go off script a little bit here and maybe depart from what the rest of the guys have done. We may have a few episodes in our guilty pleasures but we may have some other things too okay well i'm gonna take the bull by the horns up front and probably get myself kicked off the dwp by saying that one of my guilty pleasures is love and monsters trev's favorite his name is the doctor doctor what there's a few of us all studying this doctor listen to the sound of the universe so we hit the streets. Someone's got to know who she is somewhere. That's Rose Tyler. She lives just down there. Here we are, complete strangers. I'm flashing you my knickers. We've got the place to ourselves. Right. And that's when it all started happening. Oh. And that's how I finally met the doctor and realised the truth. Don't I know you? Oh, ho, ho. <laughs> oh, oh, Ian, it's been nice knowing you. I know, I know. Straight into the controversies immediately. I can understand why this gets the the flack that it does, but at heart, I just love the story. I find it enjoyable. I find it entertaining. I think that the central character of Elton is a really engaging... I mean, I I love Mark Warren as an actor, and I I find that character to be a really engaging one. And and yes, there's certain nods towards fandom in it, and I just find the whole thing so so much uplifting. I mean, right from the early bits, we've got the ELO music and the sort of emotion of the pieces soaring away and you can see the joy on the guy's faces and when he meets his girlfriend and all this kind of stuff. I just found it it's uplifting, it's fun, it's entertaining. There was some quite emotional bits that I actually found, and this is a little bit sad in some ways, a little bit affecting. Um, mm. The Absorbaloff is a bit naff, to be honest. What I would say as perhaps uh, an explanation for why certain individuals hate it so much I'm not entirely convinced that it's Doctor Who. It's possibly a completely different science fiction show, but it's one that I really enjoy. And I've gone back to it a couple of times, and I've always enjoyed it every time I've watched it. Well, I think you make a good point, and, and I, I would agree that there is a, kind of a sweet story in there that is atypical for Doctor Who, and that may be where some of the disconnect comes from. So I'm not going to kick you out of the DWP for that opinion, but uh, we'll, we'll see how long you survive. So having got myself kicked off the DWP, what, what, what's your uh, first guilty pleasure, Michelle? Well, this one may run me out of fandom entirely. My first guilty pleasure is Adric. Oh, oh dear, oh dear. I'm not sure I'll be commiserating with you on this one. When I was a fan in the 80s and when I was a teenager and uh, Adric was, was more current, I don't remember the intense dislike for him that seems to exist in fandom nowadays. But here's where I'm coming from. The companions, theoretically, are supposed to be the audience identification figure. 
And when I was watching Doctor Who back then, I mean, I, ha I could choose from Tegan, who complained the whole time and didn't enjoy being there and was contentious and I didn't think I had anything in, in, in common with. I could choose from Nyssa, who I loved and wanted to be, but frankly, I was not delicate and graceful. I, much as I'd love to have been like Nyssa and as much as I liked her as a companion, um, that wasn't my audience identification figure. But then we had Adric, you know, and Adric was this kind of awkward teenager who did well academically, who um, enjoyed, you know, being with the doctor and traveling with the doctor, and a little bit awkward socially. And frankly, I think that that probably described me pretty well as a teenager, and I wouldn't be surprised if it describes a whole lot of other Doctor Who fans when they were that age as well. I have this theory that maybe one of the reasons people find him so difficult to like is that maybe he reminds them too much of what they themselves were like. I've never had a problem with Adric. I've always kind of liked Adric. Now, I, I haven't seen a lot of his stories as an adult, so it is possible this opinion could change. But I recently watched the E-Space trilogy. I've seen Castrovalva recently and uh, Earthshock, and I just can't see too much to complain about. I like him. I have to agree that I don't recall at the time there being this level of uh, hatred or this level of um, dislike towards him. He, I, he doesn't do anything for me. He never. I didn't particularly like him at the time. I just didn't dislike him. I, I see where you're coming from on the identification piece, but I find those sorts of characters, you usually want them to be, yes, a bit like you, but also tending towards what you perhaps internally aspire to be. But I can see what you mean, that, that when you actually watched his character on, on screen at the time, he wasn't particularly much more objectionable than, uh, than most other companions. Where else are you going to stick your neck out now? For my next guilty pleasure, I'm going to move uh, away from the, the main series of Doctor Who and say that I like Torchwood. And in particular, I don't just mean Torchwood Series 3 because everyone likes Torchwood Series series 3. It was serious drama and actually non-fans liked it. But actually, I like the first two series of Torchwood as well. Don't you ever wonder how long you can survive before you, you go mad or get killed or lose a loved one? It's worth the risk to protect people. And who protects us? You need to see this. What's this for? the character of Captain Jack. I enjoyed the team that he had around him. I thought a lot of the stories were well well constructed and entertaining. It never lived up to the adult who banner that was hung off of it. Well, it didn't until season three. Before that, it really was more like sort of sniggering teenage Doctor Who <laughs> and making dirty jokes and stuff. But 
I just I found it a good show, and it was it was one of the better science fiction shows on television. I thought, and I, and I specifically mean series one and two. You're not going to get any argument for me on that. I I enjoyed series one and two as well, and in terms of enjoyment, they I enjoyed them more than series three. Although series three was extremely well crafted drama, as you say, one of the strengths was the mix of characters and following those characters. And so I found it extra troubling when they started killing them off because that was the mix in the chemistry that I that I loved so much about the show but I, you know I'll stick right with you there on your Torchwood opinion I even got into some of the uh, spin-off novels which uh, I was enjoying more than the spin-off Doctor Who novels at the time so um, yeah there's good stuff there oh, we're being very agreeable to each other at the moment uh, you're up again Michelle what have we got next Okay, well, I will do one of the standard episodes um, because it's kind of one of my pet peeves that people denigrate quite a bit and I think is a really good episode. And that's The Doctor's Daughter. Join us. Join us in the war against the Hath. Where did she come from? From me. From you? How? Well. Who the hell are you? I'd like to see you try that. She's my daughter. Hello, Dad. I am particularly excited about that episode because I think it makes the perfect introduction to Doctor Who for folks who have never seen Doctor Who. As you watch that story, you get explained what the Time Lords are, what the Time War was, how that affected the Doctor, the fact that he has a family. And it's all handled really well with very clever dialogue as as Jenny is figuring out who this is. I love the scene when they're in the jail cell and Jenny is quizzing the doctor about what he did in the Time War and then asking, well, how are we different? I think that's great. I, I like the mystery, the actual plot that they're uncovering as they move through the thing. I thought I thought that was a real clever idea with the, the different generations uh, having gone by in a fairly quick amount of time. And above all else, I, I love the climax where we see unequivocally that the doctor won't use violence and, and the whole theme of that story comes down to remember the man who never would and that is very much a part of the way I see the doctor which is why I've had some some challenges with some of the stuff we've seen recently on the show but I love the doctor's daughter it's a real solid episode that that goes back to a lot of the basics and fundamentals uh, of the show and I have shown it to a person who had never seen any other doctor who and it was a very helpful introduction I think it's an okay episode. The one part of the Doctor's Daughter that I've always had a problem with is Martha, uh, who is returning to the show at this point, having popped up in the previous story with the Centaurans. And I've never understood why she is in this story, because she doesn't actually do anything. She just has a little sort of B-plot of her own to one side, and it, it, it looks glued on. So you could completely edit her out of that story. It wouldn't in any way affect the ongoing tale. So that's that's always been a problem of mine with it. But, you know, that's a pretty minor niggle. I disagree on that. We have to have the parallel story of the Hath, and there has to be a way for the audience to empathize with the Hath and realize that they are not the, the monsters that, that the human side is portraying them to be. So we have to have a character that will introduce us to the Hath. And I think Martha is 
a good choice for that because she is a doctor and she feels compelled to help these injured creatures when she first meets the injured one. And so I think that we're allowed to journey with her and form that emotional connection along with her so that we understand that there isn't a good side and a bad side in this war. I suppose it didn't have to be Martha, but, you know, I'm perfectly happy that it was. Well, what, what's, your, what's your next guilty pleasure? Now, I, I know I'm going to be climbing the hill against the, the wave of fandom here. I'm going to say Curse of the Black Spot. Have a look in a mirror and think you're seeing a whole other world. Well, this time it's not an illusion. No sign of a struggle, no bones or blood. What's that? Yo ho ho! Or does nobody actually say that? Our senses picked you up. Ship in distress. It's dangerous here. There is a demon aboard. She leaves a mark on men's skin. Okay, groovy. So we've managed to back to your ship where there's a demon popping in. Uh, Doctor, what's what's happening to me? Your stowaways. <laughs> Don't get injured. There's a stroppy homicidal mermaid trying to kill all. <laughs> Amy, what are you doing? Saving your life, okay? That are you? <laughs> <laughs> One drop of blood and she'll rise out of the ocean. It's fine. You're doing fine. Just stay calm. Everyone seems to hate this story, and I remember at the time when it was broadcast... I enjoyed it. I thought it was a good, fun, swashbuckling story. Uh, I enjoyed the characters. I enjoyed the setup. The the monster was scary. Scared my children quite a lot, actually. Um, and I I had to actually explain to them that the, the 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 mermaid was actually okay before they would watch the rest of it. So it had the scary element for the children. I enjoyed the characters. I, I mean. Amy running around having a sore battle on the, the pirate ship. What's not to like about that? And it's it's fun. It's perhaps not the most serious Doctor whoever. Um, and I can see it's not, you know, a grand drama and, you know, one of the sort of pivotal stories of, uh, of the show. But I just don't understand the hatred that gets poured upon it. It, it gets absolutely castigated in every kind of series roundup or poll or anything where people talk about the Matt Smith era. And... I don't understand where all that's coming from. I don't see why it's so bad. Well, I'm not going to make you walk the plank for that opinion. Yeah, no, in my household, we like The Curse of the Black Spot. It's one of my son's favorites from that series. Uh, And I agree. It's a good story. It's a fun story. I liked that it was one of the more self-contained stories in that very arc-heavy season. You know, it had kind of a good message. My son was fascinated by the fact that this very scary uh, monster turned out to be you know, somebody that was trying to help. I think that was a good lesson for him to learn, not not to judge on first appearances. We agree with each other far too much here. I think we may disagree on this next one. Oh, I see. Okay. My last big guilty pleasure is Russell T. Davies and his era. Uh, it seems to me lately that, well, the further we get into the Moffat era, the more people put down the RTD era and uh, 
there seems to be quite a bit of strong feeling, perhaps on both sides, although I tend to, I think, hear more more folks um, singing the praises of Moffat. Now, I like them both. I, I need to, to set this straight. I think they're both great, and they've done wonderful things with the show, and they both have their weaknesses. But the more we go into it and the more years go by, the more I find myself thinking that I preferred the RTD era. And, and I'll just list two different reasons. One is because he was so good with character and could so quickly flesh out uh, a minor character even and, and have you empathizing and feeling with him. I just think that that was one of his, his places where he was a genius. I, I recently watched uh, Bad Wolf and Parting of the Ways again. When you look at all the characters, I don't think there's one on there that you didn't care about or get connected to in some way. Every Everything from, of course, Linda with a Y, e- even the, the guy on the game show that was uh, willing to sacrifice Rose and then wouldn't stand up to fight against the, the Daleks. You believe him and you believe his motives. Uh, the controller who was hooked into all the wires and who was hardly human, you really, really feel for her by the end. And, and I think it's just a, a, a good example of how well... RTD did those things. The other thing that, that I really liked about the RTD era was the amount of joy that was in there. He, he really had a philosophy that traveling with the, with the doctor should be a fun adventure. Not that it isn't, doesn't have scariness and, and, and consequences, but all of the companions with him loved being with him, loved the traveling. There was a sense of fun and, and of looking forward to each week. Not that Moffat isn't great, but... Um, I think for me, I, I would have to say I prefer RTD over Moffat. Although perhaps the best of all was when Moffat was writing for RTD. Well, no, actually, ironically enough, I considered putting RTD on my list as well because um, I understand the reasons why people uh, say bad things about him. but and, it, and there's justifiable reasons. But so much of what he did was very, very good. And he brought the show back. And I, I cannot take away from him the fact that he brought it back and he made it the massive cultural phenomenon that it was and still is. And that, by anyone's yardstick, is a huge achievement. And he did some really great stories. And, and unfortunately, where he really let himself down is in his finales and how he ended things. All right, lay it on me. What's your last guilty pleasure? Up till now, they've all been, you know, here's things where my opinion's a little bit different from the rest of fandom, but I can't honestly say I'm particularly guilty about them. But in in terms of uh, where I actually would avoid telling people something, uh, I don't think there's one I can go to, and this is going to be more controversial than anything else, and that's Doctor Who generally. And it's not within fandom, and it's not that I would never admit to being a Doctor Who fan, but I do find myself in my regular working life at the office, I don't volunteer the fact that I'm a Doctor Who fan to people, because... It's just too much hassle because, yeah, some people get it and some people get it because their kids watch it or because they casually watch the show. But as soon as people start hearing that you go to conventions and you record a podcast, they start looking down at you from quite some height. And it's not that I'm ashamed of that, but it's just I don't want the hassle of it because you end up trying to explain and rationalise and justify yourself. And I'd rather just keep it as something that I enjoy. And all my friends and family know, and I'm, I'm, I've no problem with that. But in the broader world, 
I don't tend to sort of go around advertising it so much. That's probably the closest I actually get to a genuine guilty pleasure. I hear where you're coming from. I mean, I have to go to conventions a couple times a year so I have a chance to wear my Doctor Who podcast shirts. There are still a lot of circles where I don't reveal it and don't talk about it. Uh, I still live in an area and, and maybe I'm in an age range now where most of my peers are not f- still not familiar with the show. That was always true. But uh, nah, I hear you. It, it, it's... Coming clean and coming out as a Doctor Who fan is uh, not always the easiest thing. And I do want to be clear that it's not that I think the show is anything shameful or anything to be ashamed of, but particularly here in the UK, it's got lots of cultural baggage. And a lot of people will have an instinctive response to hearing that you're that kind of fan of anything, and particularly anything sci-fi. It's okay to be a Doctor Who fan. Okay, I'm joined once again by Stephen Elsden, the officer in charge, let's say, of Big Blue Box 2, the convention that's going to be held at the Trinity Theatre in Tunbridge Wells on the 16th of March 2013. Hello, Stephen. Hi there, James. Good evening to you. Uh, I understand there's been lots of exciting news about Big Blue Box. What have you been up to? Yeah, since we last uh, we last met, there's been some very interesting developments. Um, We've managed to secure a whole panel at the event, which is around the Destiny of the Doctor series, which of course has just started with uh, with the William Hartnell era story. We have a panel which is going to revolve around the third Doctor story, Vengeance of the Stones. So on that panel we will have Andrew Smith, who has written Vengeance of the Stones and of course is an original series writer in his own right. Um, He'll be along on the panel along with Richard Franklin who is narrating that story. I don't think I'm breaking any uh, embargoes there in, uh, in announcing that. Um, and they'll be joined by John Ainsworth, who's been the director on the series, and Michael Stevens, who's the commissioning editor at Audio Go. So there's going to be a very, very interesting panel, I think, both to talk about that particular release, which is obviously in March, which is the same uh, month as the convention, but also to talk about the whole concept of the, uh, the series as well. It'll be three months into the 50th anniversary year then, and uh, people have been excited about this for a long, long time. So... It's, it's great that you're going to have one panel that's focused around a celebratory event. But, uh, but what else have you got coming up on us? Well, I can also uh, announce now that we have Dan Starkey coming along. Who Strax. Uh, absolutely, Hi. yes. Uh, so a current, In costume? Uh, um, <laughs> I haven't asked him. I think that's doubtful. But uh, um, it's great to have somebody who's uh, involved in the series, you know, that's literally going live two weeks later. Because, yeah. of course, uh, it's now been announced that the first episode will be on the 30th, so two weeks after the convention. I don't know if Dan's in that uh, episode of Strax, but I don't he's in two or three episodes of the uh, the next eight but he's going to come along and he'll be sharing a panel with uh, Simon Fisher Becker so we'll have two actors who can talk about uh, working alongside uh, Stephen Moffat and, and others which I think will make for a very interesting uh, hour so we're going to have conversations that span the entire life of Doctor Who right from early Who with uh, the third Doctor all the way up to modern day Who 
Yeah, yes, indeed. And I think we'll even go further back than that because we do have a panel uh, early in the day, which is uh, Richard Bignall and Mark Ayers, who, of course, have been very involved in the, in the restoration of the early, very early episodes. Mm. Um, and I've asked them to talk about the, the, the secrets from the Doctor Who archive. So, in fact, there'll be some discussion about some of the things that maybe have not come to light before. So. Oh, fantastic. So we're going to have panels that discuss practically everything, really, aren't we? We've got New Who, Old Who, restoration, DVDs, audios, music, writing directing the whole the whole the whole shebang <laughs> acting of course yes um, we have had unfortunately a couple of people who've withdrawn from the event which I think is inevitable when we're doing a, a, a charity event as, as we are um, so Sarah Sutton unfortunately has had to withdraw and Sarah has very very kindly said that she will offer a an auction item because we're going to have a little auction on the on the day I don't know what that item is yet but ah. I'm sure that's going to be something that will be highly sought after uh, and Gary Russell unfortunately has also had to uh, to pull out of our writers panel but you know we've still got a very very packed day uh, I was going through it today. We've got uh, we've got six panels on the day. We've got three other mini events, and we have Toby doing his uh, my uh, stepson stole my sonic screwdriver, and that's all for fifty pounds. So I think we're going to provide a very very good value event, and all the signings are free as well. Oh, fantastic! I have to say I'm very much looking forward to it. The Doctor Who podcast will be there. Make sure you are too, Stephen. Thank you very much. Indeed. Thank you very much, James. Big Blue Box update. All proceeds from Big Blue Box Two go to Compaid a charity helping disabled people throughout South East England. Okay, thank you so much for spending some time with us uh, as we talked about our guilty pleasures. But I will say this, actually. There is no such thing as a guilty pleasure. You know, if, if it's something that you enjoy, then you should, uh, as long as it's not hurting anybody else, um, then, of course, you know, go, you know, go, go knock yourself out. Um, mind warp, definitely. I, 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 that's certainly ripe for reconsideration and I will make an effort to watch at least the first episode of that today um, If, uh, but for listeners if you've not discovered um, the joy that is Big Finish just yet go out and get it I mean I feel like we're doing some sort of advert for them but you know I, I was asked the question what you know what what do you enjoy most about Doctor Who now and it's new old stories so to hear Tom Baker in action again to hear um, the much missed Mary Tam um, creating a role that brought me so much pleasure as a child then fantastic um and of course, one of the joys of um, watching or of listening into audio is that you do actually watch it in your mind's eye. And of course, the characters never age; they're, they're as beautiful and as young as they as they as they were at the time. So, well, thank, so what I would say is, please, um, it's as it, we, we see so much traffic now on the Facebook page and in the forums and uh, via email and via uh, MP3s. So, please. Uh, we'd be very grateful if you would share your pleasures you know what what do you enjoy most about Doctor Who are there moments is there a range that you go to are you a fan of the Companion Chronicles do you do, do you wait for new Doctor Who with bated breath or do, or do you prefer to dive into some of the new adventures books um, let us know um, the, ch- the chances are if, if you're really enthusiastic about something if you share it with us perhaps you'll turn somebody else onto it as well that would be that would that would be quite lovely um, so listen thank you so much actually I've really enjoyed this yeah thank you uh, just a, a final word to the listeners <laughs> Don't be afraid. Don't be guilty. You know, embrace, embrace this thing that you love. <laughs> when the end credits have rolled to this episode, remove your earphones, tap the person to your left, and whisper, I'm a fan of the Doctor Who podcast. <laughs> that was the Doctor Who podcast, which you can find at thedoctorwhopodcast.com. If you have any feedback, please send it into feedback at thedoctorwhopodcast.com. You can also find us on Twitter, Facebook, and via the Doctor Who Podcast forums. Thank you for listening. Take care.